Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Achievers, welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. This is your host, your friend, Hal Elrod. And uh, if it's your first time here, welcome. I, I don't know. I've never said that before. I don't know why I just said that right now. But uh, if it is your first time here or your 270th time, since I think we're on episode like 272 or something, you're in for a treat because I am bringing my good friend. Actually, JP, I can't call you a good friend yet. Like we're still kind of getting to know each other. Is that fair? We're, we're dating. Yeah, well, we like well, each I, other. I'm introducing you. That was a rhetorical question. You're not supposed to <laughs> So I'll keep pretending like I'm not here. Yeah, cool. cool. Yeah, just pretend like you're not here. Um, that's actually funny. We were JP and I were just going back and forth, cracking up, saying a bunch of random nonsense. I said, JP, I hope we can maintain this nonsensical energy during our conversation for everyone. And JP, I think that we're doing that. Yeah, that, that was rhetorical. Let's be quiet. Yeah. Damn it. Oh, oh, so Damn it. You are epic failing on this interview. God. And you know what? Let's just cancel this. All right. I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, goal achievers. Here we go. If you do not know who JP Sears is, the first question is, what rock are you sleeping under? Um, he is a YouTuber. He is a comedian. Like legit, not not like a wannabe me, Hal Elrod, you know, try to be funny comedian. He's actually legitimately goes around the country and performs stand-up comedy. In fact, I was on a trip. I got back late. I had tickets to his show and my wife went without me. Friends went without me. And uh, I, I haven't seen you live yet, JP. And the only, you know, I asked my wife, how was it? And she goes, he was way funnier than I thought he was going to be because his videos are only semi-funny. That's something like that, she said. I don't remember the exact words. But anyway, so JP, you guys, listen, I'm still introducing him. He is an emotional healing coach. He is an author. He is a speaker. He is a world traveler and a curious student of life. And his work empowers people to live more meaningful lives. And he's also an author. He wrote the book, How to Be Ultra spiritual, which combines what, what makes JP unique. If you don't follow his work, by the way, I'll just say this. He has over 300 million views on his YouTube videos. And right, if that's not enough, you'd be like, well, I better go watch a YouTube video from JP Sears because if 300 million people have watched them, they must be pretty good. And, and what JP does that is so unique is he blends spirituality. He blends messages to expand your consciousness, but he does it through humor. And so you're cracking up, you're laughing, you're entertained, which I honestly think is the best way to connect with people. If you can laugh while you learn, I think you're going to enjoy the learning process more. So uh, it is really my, my true honor and pleasure to introduce you to my friend JP Sears. And I'm really looking forward to this nonsensical, yet hopefully highly valuable for you, the listener, conversation. JP, welcome, my friend. Is that still part of the intro, or I'm, I'm a little timid here? You're not allowed life. to talk for the rest of the episode. Um, okay, this is the, this is the rhetorical podcast. Yeah, this is the rhetorical. <laughs> yeah. No, you're. Gosh darn it, JP. No, this is the part where you talk. Gosh, oh, oh uh, cool. Like intelligent things are what I'm saying now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, awesome. Hell, I appreciate you having me on, brother. Man, I, I love being here with you. I love any chance. You and I have to connect, which 
living in the same town, I'm I'm not surprised, but it's not as often as I'd like because I know we're both pretending to be busy, yeah. uh, very important people based on what we tell ourselves. Busy, important, spiritual, and authentic people as we are trying to be, right? Man, that was the pinnacle of authenticity right there when you told me that we're authentic people. Yeah. yeah. yeah we're, we, you and I are probably that. the most authentic and humble people that we know, probably. Mostly. Well, speak for yourself. I personally believe I'm more humble than you, but I don't <laughs> like to brag, so I don't really want to talk about well, it. Well, I'm more authentic than you, so we each have our strengths, so that's fantastic. <laughs> um, no, but on a serious note, I just I want to confirm something. So uh, the JP and JP Sears, right? Is that, that stands for, is it Jennifer Priscilla Sears or Jessica Priscilla Sears? I, I didn't know which. It's just perfect. I was named after my <laughs> maternal grandfather. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. I love it. All right, Jess Perfect, Jessica Priscilla, yeah. Sears. So uh, let's start from the beginning. When were you born? I was born, I don't believe in time, so I don't know that I was born. And like more significantly, like when have I not been reborn, Hell, And uh, I, man, I broke out of my mom's uh, pelvis. Just yeah, this, to, I was going to say, this is a, a G-rated. Rated, yeah. Yeah, uh, April 12th, 1981. Wow, you're younger than me. You seem so much wiser, and I, I always attribute wiser with wisdom with age for some reason. So I always think I thought you were older than me, but no, you're actually a little bit younger. That's crazy. Wow, I appreciate that. Kevin. You, well, you look older. You have kind of uh, bag, the bags under your eyes and the wrinkles. Yeah, I'm not doing well. I'm, <laughs> I'm just not doing well. <laughs> <laughs> I, take, I, I don't take green powders in the morning. I take like just gray powders. I don't know what's in them, but I'm just like, I'm trying to gray you know, accelerate this aging thing because I don't like trends. So like anti-aging, like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. No, I always tell my wife, I go, just, I go, what's this whole look like trying to look younger? Why don't you just look exactly as old as you are and who, you know, who can just embrace the age that we are. But so you were born in 81 and uh, yeah. just, I'm going to give quick, a quick overview for anybody listening. That's like, all right, do I turn this off? <laughs> are, are they going anywhere with this? We're going to go on a pretty cool journey. Uh, I'm going to get to know JP here. And cause honestly, we've spent time together, but, but I still, you know, there's a lot I don't know about you, but uh, everybody listening, I'm going to, we're going to get to know JP. You're going to hear uh, his journey and how he went from being a uh, goofy redheaded kid. Not that there's anything wrong with that to uh, someone who became very spiritual, to someone who, right, you know, I mean, it's such a unique thing to deliver an empowering or many empowering messages through the lens or the veil of, of or the filter of comedy. And uh, again, those 300 million views for what JP does on those videos is uh, is funny videos with really serious messages. In fact, you're, and JP, by the way, I love how, I feel like uh, this is something I would love to talk to you about, but you're more and more you're taking on like really controversial topics, right? Yeah. Is that something that you've, in fact, let's just, we'll go out of order here. I'd love to start there. Like, have you always been comfortable putting out a video or, or, you know, addressing a topic that is highly controversial, highly heated, like certain two sides of an issue where some people's blood is boiling, they're angry over a topic. And then you somehow, your most recent was the abortion issue we've got right yeah. now in America. That was where and I was like, oh, I saw just the title, you know, um, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how's JP going to address, like, it's, the, it, it's like the most current issue right now that is this hot topic around whether or not, you know, um, we should take away women's rights to choose. And uh, when I saw that you did the video, I'm like, what, how did he do this? And it, you were great. I watched the video yesterday with my wife and we were cracking up and, uh, and also getting like, you know, through the, the veil of that humor was a yeah, serious stance that you were kind of taking. And so I'd love to hear about that. Is that, is that something that, uh, that you've 
uh, always been comfortable doing or has it evolved over time? I definitely not always comfortable doing It's something that's it's it used to scare the hell out of me. And, and the reason being is I'm by nature a people pleaser. Yeah. And I think it's medicine and it's poison. It's medicine because it's like, oh, cool. I can get people to like me. Yeah. And Hal, I'm still working on you. The curse is it, it actually is what erodes my authenticity. The more I am being the role of the people pleaser, because it means instead of like being myself, I will instead become what I think people will approve of me. Mm. Now that's like psychological suicide. It kills me. And I'm just like reincarnating into who I think I'm supposed to be. It's a very shallow, uncourageous way to live in my opinion. And I've done that enough that I've learned to recognize it and get sick and tired of it. And it's really just a, a fear base. Let me protect myself through the cocoon of people pleaser. Yeah. But you know, I've suffocated my cocoon long enough where I was like, oh, I, mm, I don't want to do this forever. So, you know, when I started doing videos, you know, I approach topics that they'd always have a little bit of an edge to them. But, you know, making fun of gluten is a lot safer than saying like, oh, and I have some perspective to share on abortion. Yeah. So it's yeah. definitely evolved a lot. And really what that evolution has at its backbone is me willing to feel my fears and take action anyway. And in this case, it's the fear of what happens, not if, but when people disapprove of me, because when I'm voicing my authentic voice, not everybody's going to like it. So that's scary. But the, the more I'm willing to own and contain my own fears and feel them so I can take action anyway, the more I'm able to, I think, evolve the process of, you know, speaking out on topics, you know, in this case, through the language of comedy, speak out on topics that I have a line of inspiration running through me about. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that there's, so I, I actually, I, I want to spend a little time on this because it's a conversation that I've had recently with some friends that are, you know, podcasters and authors and in the influencer space, one in particular, one friend. And so I, I want to share with you a perspective that I've, that I've had on this and, and then kind of hear your thoughts. Because what you just shared, I think that there is an element of, right, you're choosing authenticity over people pleasing, right? And over people's approval. Yeah. And you're going, yes. this is who I am, right? Authentically. And I struggle with that in the ways that, what is the perspective I shared? So a friend once said to me, he goes, Hal, I'm struggling with my authenticity. I said, okay, what's going on? And he said, well, for example, I like to say the F word. I said, okay. I said, me too. And he said, but I don't ever say the F word on my podcast or in public, you know, because I'm afraid that people are going to judge me or think I'm offensive or whatever. And uh, he said, so I'm really struggling with that. And he goes, and that's just one example of a lot of things I don't, that I behind closed doors, I talk about or think about or whatever. And, but on in public or uh, on my podcast, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I shy away from those things. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you say the F word in front of your grandmother? And he said, no, of course not. And I said, okay, so I've kind of wrestled with the same thing in terms of authenticity and how much of yourself to share and what to share and what to say and when not to say. And I said, uh, my thought is you're being respectful of your audience, right? If you know your grandma would be kind of offended if you said the F word in front of her, right? Not saying the F word in front of her doesn't mean you're being inauthentic. It means you're being respectful. And so that's kind of with my, like, I like saying the F word too, but I never say it on the podcast. Right. And, uh, you know, and there are other things that I talk about it that, that I don't say on the podcast. I've said this for a while, but my dream is to be Joe Rogan. And I don't mean that like, 
I don't mean it literally, but what I mean sure. is Joe Rogan has a show where all he does is talk exactly as he would talk to his buddies behind yeah. closed doors, right? With like no women around, nobody or no parents around. And, you know, and the lesson there is I'm sure he turns off a lot of people and yet he has sure. the number one podcast in the world and is, was just recently deemed the most significant influencer in the history of the world beyond Oprah, beyond anyone. He reaches more people every month than anyone ever. No kidding. I'm not surprised to hear that. That's not crazy. Yeah. And he, I mean, right. One episode he's talking about doing psychedelic mushrooms. The next episode he's talking about, I mean, fighting, you know, UFC fighting, right? I mean, his episode. And then conspiracy theories the next episode. And yes. Yeah. Right. And so like, I'm like, I want to just be able to do that. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I have a lot of audience that they're conservative and right. You know, and that, and and I want to be respectful to them. So what are your thoughts on kind of that line between being respectful and being authentic, you know, is, is it, is it an either, or can you be both? What do you think? Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, it can be very authentic of a person to be quote unquote respectful at times. And I think someone being respectful, like that can also at times be them being inauthentic. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a matter of like, Hey, take this action in order to be authentic. It's more like, know your why, not what you're doing, but why are you doing it? Are you doing it out of fear or are you doing it more out of love? Not to sound too cliche, like "Ah, fear or love. But I know for me, when I'm squashing my authentic voice, it's out of fear. It's out of fear of disapproval. And it's like, you know, on my best days when I notice that it's like, okay, let me turn around feel the fear and say what I have to say anyway. And then other times, like, you know, I've, both my grandmothers are passed away, but I don't think I've ever sworn in front of them. And I don't think I would change that either. And and it's not because I'm, you know, I'm a grown man, I'm 38. I wouldn't be afraid of them, you know, yelling at me. It's, that's more like out of love, out of the respect for them. So yeah, I, I think some wise person somewhere along the lines probably would have said, know thyself. And I think sometimes we really, I did. Wow. That, that wise person, that right crazy. wise person was JP Sears, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> 2019. Uh, Remember it. I think we have to know thyself because I don't know about you, Hal. A lot of times my inauthenticity is expressed through the facade of authenticity. So that can happen where we fool ourselves. We do the actions. We do the right thing. We're being the spiritual person. We're being the compassionate person holding space. Meanwhile, inside, we're actually being a judgmental bastard. At least I am some of the time. So I think we have to look past the potential self-deception of what are we doing and really know thyself and understand like, why am I doing this? Am I motivated out of fear or love? And once we know ourselves, like we can't do it wrong. Like I I think, hell, if you got on your next podcast and you were just F bombs, like Joe Rogan left and right, (laughs) if you were doing that out of like a new fun, like, Oh, this is a way for me to express love. Awesome. But then like, or if you got on and your language is even cleaner, like if that's out of love, like amazing, like that's, those are pathways to yourself in my delusional opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. What, um, you are the redheaded Jesus. Now what is that what they call you or ginger? Jesus? That's right. J J Jesus is what I'm getting my name legally changed to. (laughs) That's your rap name, right? Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. Now. 
So, hey, what, um, how would you, how do you describe what you do? If, right. If I met you in the elevator and I'm like, Hey, what do you do? Right. Well, what, what, I'd love to hear your answer to that. I'm a conscious comedian, conscious comedian. And then yeah. that's great because it makes me go, it, hmm, what is that? <laughs> yeah. It, it's, that's a term I've, I've really connected with recently and it's taken me a while because I'm much like many other people, I'm a work in progress and, and yeah. my, quote unquote business work, it, it continues to evolve and, you know, change shape gradually. And, and I realize now, like I'm an entertainer, like I, yeah. I, I can own that. That's what I am. And the term comedian, like that's not inaccurate yet. Conscious comedian just puts a little bit more of a sharper edge of accuracy into it. Because of course, with my comedy, I'm not just all about like, Hey, let's laugh for the sake of laughing. Yeah. Though, if that was a goal, I think that's a great goal. I think we all need more laughter in our life, period. Sure. Yet, I, I love to use the language of comedy to deliver deeper messages so people can think deeper and they can become more empowered and, and own themselves even more in a great way, own their personal power. So that's why recently I figured out, like, okay, conscious comedian is... Yeah, I know it's a little bit broad, but like I'm going to own that. I, I like might it. want to trademark that so I can be the only one in the whole world. The only conscious comedian. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, How I, conscious I'm, of me to not let anybody else use the term. Yeah. Well, I'm a spiritual entertainer, so it, you know it, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the alliteration isn't as good, but you know. So, uh, so when was being a comedian something that you always wanted to do? Like what, take us back to a little bit to, uh, you, you know, younger JP, like what were, what were your, the achieve your goals podcast or your goals, you know, growing up dreams, that sort of thing. When did you decide you wanted to be a comedian? When did you bring consciousness into that? I'd love to hear kind of the, the path. Sure. So hindsight is a beautiful deal. So in hindsight, I can look back on the goals I had when I was 20, when I was 10 years old and realize they were all crap. <laughs> because the part of me that was offering those goals was a part of me that didn't have a lot of self-belief, you know, mm. honestly, like not the worst, but relatively low self-worth. So the goals that come out of that are not really, first off, they're not heartfelt goals and they're also not goals worth having. So, you know, when I was 10 years old, I want to be a pro football player. And then when I was 20 years old, I want to be a, uh, exercise specialist helping people and teaching classes and it's like cool like awesome but the idea of being a comedian i never let that run across my conscious spectrum i think because i didn't believe in myself enough to believe i could be like i could i would be worth being a comedian Yet when I look back at how i lived my life you know ever since i was a very small child and then through my childhood years, teenage years, adulthood, making people laugh was something that always brought me the most joy. I, I remember being a young child and holding court in the living room with my mom and dad and sister and at times just having them laughing for like an hour at a time. And being the class clown in school, I was, you know, learning was like my hundredth priority at school and making my friends laugh was number one. Making the teachers laugh was number two. And that's always a interesting line because you got to push the edge and it's a line of i'm either going to make them laugh or get in trouble but let's find out where the line is here nice. so honestly it took until 
the past several years for me to realize like, wow, the right now I'm not achieving my dreams because I'm actually achieving something beyond my dreams because I'm living a dream that's beyond the dream that my limited self has dreamt with that. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Hal. So would I. I I think this is going to be a rhetorical question. I think goals, uh, we all know the power of goals, especially intelligently framed goals. Yet to me, there's a shadow side of goals where we can listen to a part of us that is maybe coming from a compensatory place that says like, Hey, I feel insignificant deep down inside, like undealt with wounds. So I'm going to create a goal out of compensation that would have me leaving really have me feeling really significant if I were to achieve it. Now, would we really feel significant or not? Who knows? But we start to go along the trajectory of, I want to achieve this goal of essentially, I want to escape how I feel inside. So we could lose ourselves, or we could be like me where the part of us that's speaking the loudest with the goal is like a very limited part of us. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on the shadow side of goals, potentially self-deception and how we like really lean into the part of us that has goals worth having, how we can listen to those goals and then let those be the goals that we work towards. Damn, that's a legitimate, intense question. Isn't it though? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Who's interviewing who here now? So, so yeah, my thoughts on goals uh, around and what you're talking about. You know, I look at my younger years. So, that's actually, I, I know where I'm going with this. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. So, when I was young, when I was 19, I started in sales. Right, I started selling Cutco cutlery, Cutco kitchen knives, and uh, gave up a dream job of I was a radio DJ at that time, and that was my dream job that I was pursuing. And I saw an opportunity, you know, a, lot, a great income opportunity, really, and, and just I really I loved the company and what they stood for and the personal development and the culture and all that. So I started down that path. And for, oh gosh, probably five years, uh, first four or five years with the company, um, I broke all sorts of company records. And while I didn't realize it at the time, right, everything I did, I was never doing it to make money. I was doing it for recognition because in my first, Mm. I started to do it for money. But in my first 10 days on the job, I broke the company record and you know 50 year company 50 year history i sold wow. more kitchen knives than anyone in our you know the western half of the united states had done in the 50 year history of the company and so i did that cuz i was trying to make money but once i got the recognition of like wow you're the man and you're you know you everybody knew who i was and all that that became addictive and then i was like yeah. i'm all about breaking records right i kept wanting to break records and after my car accident, I went down a path of, of spirituality. I, I read uh, a lot of books on enlightenment and kind of was brought to you know, my awareness around how, how we operate from a place of ego and how the ego shows up in our lives in both positive and negative ways. And I got really fascinated by that. And I kept going down that rabbit hole and reading book after book after book. I was reading Ken Wilber and uh, Andrew Cohen, I think his name is, uh, Eckhart Tolle. And I did a lot of conscious, active kind of work to dissolve my ego. And when I did that, I lost all drive to make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, because my drive wasn't the money, it wasn't the financial freedom, it was always the recognition and right, the significance. And so I, I, all of a sudden, I 
My income dropped way off. My sales dropped way off because I go, what, what's the, I have no interest in beating other people in competition. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in breaking a record so I can get all sorts of attention. I, I, don't, I don't care about any of that. And so all of that went away in terms of what was driving me to succeed. And so then I kind of went down this path of struggling of, well, oh, gosh, I have a mortgage now. Like I got to pay the bills, but I, wh- why am I working? And here's the interesting thing. I had two roommates that were renting rooms from me in my first house that I bought that were good friends of mine. And one month, one of my friends couldn't pay his rent. And he's like, hey, I need a few weeks or whatever. And I was like, what's going on? How come you're, and we both, we all work for the same company. And I said, um, what, you know, what, what's going on? And he's like, oh man, I just, I haven't been selling. I haven't been working. And, and then I like, I, that day I realized, I thought about it and I realized these friends of mine look up to me. And there are other people in our office, you know, my, my sales office, the people that looked up to me and that, you know, that, that I, was lead, I was an example for them. And I realized that because my drive had gone away, I wasn't, you know, they didn't see me in the morning up early making phone calls to prospects, right? They didn't see me at night making phone calls to prospects. They saw me taking it easy. And so what's interesting is I went, oh, I have a responsibility you know, to work hard, for lack of a better term, right? To, to perform at my best. Here's the way I would put it. I have a responsibility to live to my full potential because only then can I inspire and empower and encourage and support other people in leading to their, their potential. And on a small scale, it was my roommates. I went, I owe it to my roommates for them to see me working really, really hard. I, so I'm not doing it for recognition. I'm not even doing it for money necessarily. I have a responsibility to these people to do everything in my power to fulfill my potential so that they can do the same. And my, to this day, my keynote, when I give a keynote speech, the last slide is a picture of me and my family. And it's, the, it's a quote from me. And it says, the greatest gift you can give to the people that you love is to live to your full potential so that you can inspire, empower, you know, and, and help and guide them to live to theirs. And so for me, that's become now not just about my friends and family, but the world. Like I feel like, and and I just feel like it's, we all have a sense of, we all have responsibility to do that for those that we love and those that we lead. So that for me is what a goal is about is a goal is about two things. It's about leading by example for other people, but it's also about setting a goal. So the greatest purpose or benefit is for you to become a better version of yourself through the pursuit of that goal. So whether or not you hit the goal is, is inconsequential yeah. to the true benefit, which is by giving it everything you have and developing qualities and characteristics like self-discipline and self-belief and confidence and good habits like you know, and, and behaviors and, and rituals and routines that allow you to become the best version of yourself. That to me is why you set a goal and why you should set goals that you may not even hit, but they really are going to challenge you to stretch beyond the person you've been in the past. So you can live into your, you know, into your full potential. I love that. I love that. Well, I was ignoring you and thinking about what I wanted to say. <laughs> yes, of course. No, I, I, I love that. So beautifully said. And, and is that, that wave of insight kind of washes into me and I look at my history of goals. What that helps me realize is as I look at some of my goals in hindsight and realize that wasn't a goal worth having, it was a part of me compensating, it was a very limited believing part of me setting the goal, I can realize that, well, those goals were still important for me to set because, you know, as one door opens another, like I, if I didn't start down the scent trail of a, that given goal, it wouldn't have led me down the corridor of life to help me discover 
a more important goal for me worth having. And I think as I look back uh, on what's worked for me, and it's like, oh, plenty hasn't worked for me, but just taking some of the gold out of the mud, the thing that comes to my mind is very strong goals loosely held. And what that means to me is like when we create a goal, like awesome, like approach it with passion and excitement and like a, just a never say die attitude while having an open heart that says, if there's an upgrade that comes along. So in other words, if I need to abandon this goal for a better goal, realizing this first goal is probably what led me there to the realization of it then I want to do that. I I don't want to die for the cause. I want to be enlivened by the cause. So I think that's, I love how you talk about goals. I know when you were on my podcast, you just brought the fire and man, it, it was amazing hearing you talk about goals and adding that passion that like it is absolutely done and I'll do anything to achieve it while also having the open mind and the open heart that says, this is a strong goal of mine and I will loosely hold it so that I can be open to any greater realizations that come along. Yeah. And I think that's so true that on your path to a goal, often as you grow, your vision expands for what's possible. And sometimes, you, you know, either you might realize that, oh, this, like you said, JP, this is a reflection of who I was when I set the goal. But I'm different now, right? Yeah. I've grown, and uh, and now I, I see something different, or bigger, or better, or and then we we pivot and, and pursue that. Well, when did you start recording your most famous? I would say for your uh, spiritually, uh, what what's your what do you call it? spiritual ultra comedy? spiritual videos, ultra spiritual videos, conscious yeah. comedy, like we can call it many things. Yeah. How? Yes, they're so memorable. I forgot what to call them. But um, <laughs> you're in one of them, brother. You got to remember. Dude, I know. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen the 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 video that JP and I did recently with JP, I was so blown away. Um, you know, I asked you if we could do a video to uh, help to share my new book, and uh, and you just I got to your house, and you're like, "Here's your five page script with all of our scenes and shots," and I'm like, "Wow, you are a true professional." I was just gonna make funny things into the camera, but um, so when did you start that? When did you make your first video? What? How, how old were you? And how many years ago was that? October 4th, 2014 was the evening I was recording my first comedy video, and it was called How to Be Ultra Spiritual. Before that, I had been doing just sincere life advice YouTube videos for about a year and a half, and hmm. you know, just occasionally a video would eclipse 100 views, which for me was a big deal. But then there was definitely the next world for me to enter which is okay i'm doing a comedy video so that was yeah october 4th 2014 and it was how to be ultra spiritual was the first one yeah so you were 34 ish right around 34 35 something like that yeah i I think i would would have been 33 god at 33 before you got your act together so um what uh uh, what's been what's been so so i love this by the way so i mean so incredible because right you guys listen to jp 300 million views right and you started with doing these life coaching videos right that weren't your brand as it is now right but we all got to start somewhere you know someone looks at you now and like oh jp sears 300 million views on on your videos and it's like no no i started out with a hundred views right you know and they were these cheesy life coaching videos i mean i'm just assuming they were super cheesy um, I haven't seen it. But, uh, 
which of your videos has gotten the most views? How many views and what and which one was it? So no, the the gluten one's up there, but the one I did what was it two years ago roughly called if meat eaters acted like vegans yeah that's that's been the most well-viewed video you know on my facebook i think it's 60 some million views there's a few other facebook pages i uh, gave permission to publish it so that one all together on facebook between other people's channels has a couple hundred million views on wow. it um which i i don't really count as my stats even though sure. i guess i probably could but that one somehow hit a nerve with the world when what's your personal favorite of your videos you well uh, obviously the video that we did together but if you had to pick a second yeah. like a runner-up what would you <laughs> <laughs> which by the way if you don't know the video hal and i did together uh, if you just type in the law of attraction jp sears hal elrod it'll come up it was it was a lot of fun so but my answer to that question, Hal, is how to get offended. And the reason why is we live in a culture where people love to get offended about anything. It's a mm -hmm. culture of outrage. And why that video is so important to me is it carries a message that's been timeless over the past couple of years of flipping back the veil on why we get offended and sh starting to shine some light on, hey, we're victimizing ourselves here. We are hurting ourselves, disempowering ourselves, and getting a sense of power the more we disempower ourselves. And we're blaming other people, not mm. recognizing how we are victimizing ourselves, keeping ourselves in the position of a victim, and continuing to bleed out our power. So I think one of the things I love most is seeing people claim their personal power claim their authenticity and claim their self-acceptance and none of that happens when we are getting our emotional needs met in a place of victimhood and we all know the the dog or the wolf who's the most vicious is actually the most frightened dog and when we're getting offended and outraged all the time we're really becoming that very vicious dog because i think we are really really afraid and I think we're really afraid because we are bleeding out our personal power. You know, nobody's mm -hmm. ever become empowered by rooting themselves into a state of victimhood. You know, when we're on the outside looking in, we could realize like, oh, making yourself a victim, that's like the most disempowering thing you can do. Yeah. So I, I personally, I'm a big fan of people and the innate intelligence and power that runs through people and watching people. Um, men deny their own power while they feed on the ego gratification of the illusion of power that is self-victimization while being blind to it is something i'm very passionate about helping people wake up to so the how to get offended video is my initial foray into bringing that message into the world i love that i mean so and and if someone wants to watch that it's how to get offended right they can go to youtube yeah. here's how to get offended yeah yeah and i've seen i've seen i think most probably not all your videos but most of your videos the yeah 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 and it's i mean just on the offended note like i i, I don't know but to me there, there's almost nothing that offends me because it's like what's the yeah. point <laughs> and, and also i think when we are offended by something like cool like that's an opportunity and the opportunity is to realize 
I wouldn't have been offended unless there was a genuine insecurity of mine stimulated. Mm. And and I think when we can be self-aware and say, oh, I was offended, and what's that say about me? Then we actually get a chance to grow from being offended rather than diminish ourselves by being offended. So, you know, Hal, if you started like, you know, if you, if I says you were being serious and you were like, you were really not funny, like I would probably get offended. And underneath that, I would definitely be so insecure. It's like, oh, okay. So yeah. apparently I have some insecurities around being funny. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's so true. Like part of me gets my self worth met by being funny, which means part of me feels like I'm not worthy if I'm not funny. So thank you, Hal for offending me so I could discover there's a part of me I need to deal with, a part of me that feels unworthy and masks that with the sense of worthiness I get by being funny. And, you know, like if I was completely secure and how you start making fun of my sense of humor, I'd be like, like, cool. My pulse is not elevating even like one beat per minute. Like <laughs> you're, you're making noise. It's not resonating with me, but we all know like tuning forks that are in resonance, like you ding one tuning fork, the other one's going to start vibrating. So I think when we're being offended, it's because like part of us is, you know, really insecure and it's being tuning fork stimulated. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought up the fact that you're not really that funny because I was afraid to broach that subject. Uh, what do you mean? What, <laughs> what do you, what do you say? What, how, what are you saying? Uh, JP, you're, you're, you're semi-funny. Don't, don't worry about it. No. So uh, what was I going to ask you? Oh, so, so I really want to ask about this. So now you're a spiritual comedian or no conscious comedian. Uh, one of the first or only, or, you know, you're, you are who you are. You're, you're a rare breed. What is the, uh, but, but you haven't, you hadn't done stand up in the past, right? Isn't that, that, isn't that a new thing as in like the last year? Dude, how scary is that? Yeah. It's so new. Yeah. So the past year and a half, the stand up has thought about that doing it. Uh, so about a year before I started it, it really, the idea was put on the table to me by my manager who he's amazing. Yeah. He has great vision. He's like, JP, your videos are great. You've had a decade and a half of public speaking. What if we merge these together, put you on the stage, you know, you've built the audience, you know, people yeah. come see you. And I said, that idea scares the hell out of me. But yeah. it also feels exciting and purposeful. So yeah. I'm up for it. So, you know, it, a year went by where there was, you know, some gestation time and then some prep time, some business stuff behind the scenes. And then certainly, most importantly, the artistic side of putting together stand-up as well as like practicing at different conferences and speaking gigs. I, yeah, but yet still, it, it's like, wow, this is a whole new edge out of my comfort zone like this is uncharted territory and but even though it scared the hell out of me what made me take action anyway and therefore made, made me feel my fears so i could take action was felt exciting yeah. it felt purposeful you know like it, hell if you told me jp i've got like the mike tyson tiger you know i bought it come over <laughs> to my house get inside its cage I, i'd say hell that scares the hell out of me and no i'm not going to do it because it doesn't feel exciting and purposeful it just feels scary but I, i've learned my equation for success in terms of growth inner fulfillment and honestly outer achievement is 
say yes to the things that scare me when they feel purposeful. And I also find like the, the things that will make me grow, they never come without fear. Mm. So the stand-up comedy, I can say like, holy Lord, it is the most rewarding thing I've done in my career. And it's the thing like, I, I wouldn't have this in my life if I wasn't willing to go through this terror barrier of figuring out how to do it for the first time. And, and also let it be a continual work in progress and like continuing to innovate. You know, this past weekend, I was just on the road doing shows and there's new material I'm doing. And it's like, oh, I've never done this before. It's going to scare me. But like, I don't know if it'll work or how yeah. to refine it until I do it for the first time and get the biofeedback that is people's laughter or, <laughs> or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. What now? Um, how many shows? have you done and are, is your tour over? Or are you still on this tour? I don't know if the tour will ever end. Show after show, just kind of continual. Yeah, it's continual. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure over the past year and a half, it's, I, I ballparked it. It's well over a hundred shows. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it's oftentimes, you know, I'm not doing shows every weekend, but oftentimes there's several weekends in a row where I'm doing shows and then, have a two or three weeks off and then a bunch of weekends. on the So oftentimes in a weekend I'm doing five shows. So I, you know, it gets me a lot of exposure time to the craft pretty, pretty quick. So yeah, well over a hundred shows and wow. man, it's been enjoyable. That's pretty, that's incredible. That, that, that's a, a lot more of the shows. I thought you'd say 30 or something. I don't know. I was underestimating what, uh, and so, and you're just kind of on this continual journey. What, so what are your goals now, JP? What big, big goals, you know, long-term, short-term, like what are the big goals that are on your heart and that, you know, that you're working towards now or that are in the future that, uh, that are meaningful for you? My most important goal, it, it I'll, I'll share it through the language of feeling because that's essentially how the goal has been set up. So it's sort of like a non-traditional goal. But the goal is to continue to push my edge of creativity and connection. Hmm. So, you know, that, you know, like right now, you know, my hour of stage time, like I love it. I think it's great. And I, I want to keep pushing the edge. I want new creativity. I want to, yeah, just go deeper and scare myself more and, and let the flood of fulfillment come in. So, as yeah, I want to go deeper into my creativity. And honestly, I, I know that's intellectual words. Yeah, there's a feeling that I get when I am deep in the creativity. It's, dare I say, it's a feeling of fulfillment. It's very recognizable when I achieve it. And the cool thing is, like, when I land at a new level, like, cool after a little bit of time, that new level becomes the old level. So that, that feeling starts to evaporate, which means now I'm, now I'm drilling deeper. So continuing to innovate in the creative realm is important to me. And then uh, getting a little bit less airy fairy. <laughs> I want to be, thank God. You know, I, I want my tour, my comedy tour to eventually transition to where I'm selling out theaters. Nice. You know, 
right now, you know, I'm selling out comedy clubs, selling out some theaters. And then the comedy clubs, I love them. They're just amazing. Yet theaters are bigger venues. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so to me, that's it's a, a, a step of progression, which is honestly a, a goal of mine in terms of, you know, the external world. Gotcha. What about, uh, is there a goal? And I'd imagine there's gotta be, but is there a, is there a goal somewhere in there, uh, for uh, some sort of television show? There's been television, multiple television shows talked about with production companies and met on and pitch meetings with networks. Uh, none of them have panned out. Hmm. And uh, though I wouldn't say no, if there's like a new show concept that's proposed that excites me, I definitely wouldn't say no, but right now that's not a goal of mine yet related having a netflix special mm. of you know like an, yeah. an hour of my stand-up conscious comedy that's a goal that's awesome it, it, and yeah i'm not attached to netflix you know whatever the platform is but sure netflix blockbuster video like whatever's i would them. love to go straight to blockbuster, <laughs> straight video. To blockbuster. you know I've, to DVD. Me, <laughs> i'm going to bend oregon in about a week i've got comedy shows there and i am told bend has the last remaining blockbuster i just saw open on that. the planet yeah yeah I, I just saw they just did a video like a make fun of video like on jimmy fallon or some one of those shows they went to the last blockbuster video on the on the show <laughs> i'm surprised like if you go there i, I i'd be surprised what if they even have dvds in the cases yeah. They're probably just more like a vintage record shop. Like, yeah. hey man, like, let's just be nostalgic and think we're cool. And you go in there, try to rent something. They're like, hey, nobody's actually tried to rent from us for about 11 years. Yeah. I don't get how that's possible. How, you know, Blockbuster was a $6 billion company when Netflix launched. How did they go from wow. that to one? I mean, not how did their, I, I get how their company crashed, but. I don't get why there's one store left. <laughs> like, what? Is that the company yeah. Blockbuster? It's like, <laughs> you know, is there like a CEO and an executive board? <laughs> like, what? There's probably whatever, some, I don't know, some kind of loophole tax advantage. Yeah, there you go. Something like that. Awesome. Well, JP, man, I, uh, I, anything I can do to support your goals, brother, I, you can count on me uh, here to, to help you. Man. Yeah. I love your work. I love you as a person. I love your wife. And uh, I like hanging out at your house. Yeah, I like a lot things about you <laughs> thank you Hatman. i love you too brother so grateful to have you as a friend and i love what you do you inspire inspire the hell out of me awesome man well that's it's mutual goal achievers thank you for tuning in today to jp and i's conversation uh we started out nonsensical as i was hoping that we would and then we got into some sense made some sense of this whole uh, thing and i hope you learned as much from jp and enjoyed the process of listening to uh to us chat as much as i did Uh, Love you. Appreciate you. Make this a great week. And I will talk to you uh, next week. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 